for tuning in to Jason DeMars Live. Every Tuesday and Friday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I teach on various biblical topics. Get in contact with me at jasondemars.com. Let me know what topics you would like me to cover in future videos. I have free books and tracks available for you to order and shipping is free as well. Make sure to subscribe and click the little bell to get notified when I post a new video. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening in. I'm Jason DeMars, and we're going to continue on our topic, Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. If you're listening in, uh, make sure to like and subscribe and share this video. Again, just want to thank everyone for listening in. Please send your greetings. If you are listening in, I see... There's a few people listening live and just sending greetings to Sister Sarah in Edmonton. May the Lord richly bless you. And like I mentioned before, uh, we're going to continue on the topic, Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. This is part two. And once again, we're asking for your prayers and for the Lord's grace to be with us um, with that said, let me bring up the, the uh, PowerPoint there, and I believe we are on to screen number 26. Yes, so Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. All right, so we talked before about this topic. And... Men have a role, all right, and women have a role. That they are equal, but their roles are different and distinct. They complete each other. A woman's purpose in marriage is not to be the head. She is to be subject. A husband's role in marriage is to be the head. He's not to be in subjection to his wife. He is to be in a position of leadership. Again, now, uh, when people hear this, they think of something negative. Its purpose is not at all to be negative. Its purpose is to follow God's created order. Remember, God made Adam first. Out of Adam's side, a part of himself, he made his wife. This shows the union and connection of the husband and the wife. That's critical. That's absolutely 
critical to understand. There is that connection. There, there, if a, when a man loves his wife, he's loving his own self, right? No man yet hated himself, but nourishes and cherishes himself, right? So God's purpose for a man is to nourish and to cherish his wife. It's supposed to be a self-sacrificing love. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus did? He sacrificed himself for his bride. He lived a life of sacrificial love. And that's the kind of love that a husband should have for his wife. Now, when a husband loves his wife this way, she doesn't have any problem, any issue, submitting herself to her husband. Why is that? Why is that? Because she feels safe. She feels protected. She feels like she's in the right position. She can respect and reverence a man that treats her and, and, and loves her that way. Now, if a man were to mistreat her, if he were to abuse her, she should try to leave that situation and get to a place that's safe. Uh, this submission we're talking about for a woman is not to be submission to physical, mental, emotional abuse. She needs to be protected. She needs to be safe and know that she's safe and know that us as fellow believers will be in a position where they're continually, we're continually protecting her and keeping her safe. So Paul isn't talking about this form of uh, manhood that, that beats and controls and manipulates a woman. That's not headship. That's a violation of the very nature of the relationship between a man and a woman. It's a total perversion. Colossians 3, 18 and 19, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. So, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fit in the Lord. Now, if the husband is an unbeliever, if the husband is asking his wife to do something ungodly and wicked, she does not have to obey. It's not fit in the Lord for her to disobey the word of God in order to obey her husband. She has to first obey the word, and then after that, come in submission to her husband. But her, this is talking about what is fit in the Lord. This is what a wife is to do. She's to submit. This is what a husband is to do. Love your wives and be not bitter against them. A husband should not be living and having harsh bitterness against his wife. He should be treating her with tender, kind, caring love, always wanting to please and help her. A woman should not be in a place where she's overbearing, trying to control and manipulate using emotion. That's manipulation. Don't, don't do that, sisters. You... We easily, both men and women, get caught up in our own feelings 
And we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't use our feelings to control them and manipulate a situation. We should communicate with clarity and with love, not with harshness, not with anger, but with clarity and with love. Titus 2, 3 through 5. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Just send my greetings here after reading that scripture. Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle listening in. Sister Jay, God bless you. Brother Migali, God bless you. Sister Treva, God bless you as well. Thank you all for listening in. So here's Paul's instructions to Titus who is to then in turn give instructions to Brother Stephen Carlin, God bless you, who is then in turn to give instructions to aged women. So the older women, they should be teaching the younger women how to behave. So first of all, the aged women need to be having this kind of behavior that expresses their separation unto the Lord. So their holiness, not false not, not making up stories and sending out false ideas, false um, accusations against people, not uh, people who are drinking a lot of wine, but teachers of good things. Excuse me. And they need to teach the young women to be sober. So, of course, that's speaking of um, sober when it comes to their drink, not drinking too much, just as it says before, not given too much wine to be sober, but also uh, to be circumspect, uh, to be careful, not reactionary, but to be slow to speak and slow to anger. Uh, they're to teach them to love their husbands and to love their children. All right, that goes without saying. It's simple to understand. Love your, love your husband. Love your children, uh, regardless of whether they deserve it. Give them unconditional love. All right. Now that doesn't unconditional love doesn't mean you put yourself in, in a position to continually be hurt. That's not right. But what it is, is regardless of how they act, you love them and you want the best for them. And so regardless, regardless of day to day, if they've uh, worked up enough brownie points or if they've behaved the right way, no, you love them anyhow. And that's in a true mother's heart to do anyways. She, she barely needs to be taught that. That's something that's just in her. Uh, verse 5, Titus 2 verse 5 says to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, 
and that's not politically correct so be discreet so don't make a spectacle of yourself don't make yourself stand out in other places speak, speaking of um, being shy um, chaste of course it means you're not offering yourself to every man but your body is reserved only for your husband only for your husband so good simple to understand to be good there's none good but one that's God and the only way we can be good is in our connection relationship to him by the Holy Ghost within us all right obedient to their own husbands so to be obedient uh, it's another way of speaking about submission as is fit in the fit in the Lord this is speaking in the the correct circumstances uh, husband walking in obedience to the word doing the best he can you'll obey and submit to him otherwise if you don't the word of God is blasphemed so when we don't live according to the word our life is a blasphemy to the word and for wives to be uh, in their right position they need to be walking in obedience and submission to their husbands keepers at home now speak speak to this for a minute too often in our day and age a woman she always wants to work and it's a it's a priority many times you say well we have no choice I have to work outside the home well maybe that's true maybe that's true but it also could be perspective you know this this should be this is the the holy calling of a wife and a mother is to be a keeper at home not to be in the workforce and um, in an office or or whatever this situation is uh, a woman's place is at home as brother Branham says and we'll read in a moment as a woman's place is in the kitchen now this isn't to make her um, an idiot and a, and a spiritual weakling no she's supposed to have mighty faith she's not supposed to be weak she's supposed to have strong powerful faith and it doesn't mean a woman you know if you read Proverbs 31 it speaks of her having um, a business out of her home uh, to provide for needs but uh, many times uh, a woman continues to work so that a family can maintain a certain lifestyle well we walk by faith at least for me and in my home and in my life you know my wife she worked until uh, we had our first child and it wasn't ideal the atmosphere to work even in a bank is is not good and you're hearing all kinds of things and learning all kinds of things from your co-workers that you shouldn't be hearing and you shouldn't uh, uh, have to be involved in hearing and it brings the wrong kind of atmosphere but she worked but the moment that we had our our daughter Avery she was immediately done uh, working and her job was to be 
uh, caretaker of Avery and our children, and she's at home. Now, of course, we talk about working. A uh, woman's work is never done. Uh, my wife is a homeschool mom of three children, and she's at home, but uh, that's, my, that's my goal as a man and, and my faith, and the Lord has always provided for us. I mean, we lost not quite half our income, but close to half the income when she uh, went, went to be a homemaker. But God has provided for us. God has blessed us, and I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't want someone else to be the caretaker of my children. I want my wife to be at home. That's my whole desire. That's my whole uh, passion. A woman is to be a keeper at home. She's to be a manager of the household. That's critical. That's important in the Word of God, and that's important to my heart as well. 1 Timothy 5.14, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide, or as we said before, manage the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So here's Paul's advice to Timothy. He wants him to encourage the younger women to get married. He wants them to get married, to have children. If this, is, this was God's heart given to the Apostle Paul, right? And so this is the heart of Paul, and he gives it to Timothy and says, this is the things that I want you to teach. What is he teaching? Young women, get married. Have children. Manage the household. And don't give any occasion to the devil or to the, those who hate the gospel, to speak reproachfully. Live a life above reproach. Amen. Amen. This is key. This is critical. Get married, have children. So the goal of God, in God's heart, uh, on this level, and what is good in the body of Christ, is for young women to get married and to have children. Let that be the goal in your heart, the passion of your heart. Not, don't aim for, I want to be uh, in this position, I want to be in this place, I want to be making this much money. Don't aim for the world and don't aim for the worldly standards of feminism. Aim for what God wants you to aim for. And teach your children to aim for that as well. So again, guide the house. It means to be a master, to rule a household. A woman is not in this terrible subservient position. She is equal to her husband. He is he be but different positions. He is to be the overseer and she is to be the manager of the home. He is to be involved in everything. He's not supposed to be checked out, letting her do whatever she wants to do without being involved. He is to set the vision and to be involved constantly. And this is key. But she is to have the authority to manage the home and the children. Brother Branham says of this in The Choosing of a Bride. Now, I'm not much of this modernistic taste of women working. I'm not either. 
when I seen these women with these uniforms on riding around in this city on motorcycles as police, it's a disgrace to any city that will let a woman do that. See, see, as ma many men that's without work, it shows the modern thinking of our city. It shows the degra degrading. We don't have to have them women out there like that. They ain't got no business out there like that. I'm not much for it either. I'm not. I, I'm going to talk about it more in, again in the choosing of a bride. When God gave man a wife, he gave him the best thing he could give him outside of salvation. But when one goes trying to make a, take a man's place, then she's about the worst thing that he could get a hold of. Now that's right, see. Now we can see the spiritual application. I know that's bad. You think it's bad, but it's the truth. We don't care how bad it is. We got to face up to the facts. That's what the Bible teaches. And he, he was to pass that way, 1957. She's got no business in a defense plant. A woman's place is at home with her children. And when she, now if her husband's sick and she has to work, that's different. But a woman's place is at home in the kitchen. And when she leaves that, she's out of her place. Exactly right. May God bless you, Brother Ben. Thank you for your kind words. Sister Mai, Greetings to you. God bless you. Sister Chantel, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Brother, uh, Sister Cisa from Hollywood, Florida, God bless you. Thank you all for listening in. All right. When she leaves her places in the kitchen, when she leaves that, she's out of her place. All right. That's not a good feminist statement, but it's the truth. Now, it doesn't mean merely the kitchen. It means she's to be a keeper at home. She's to be the manager of the household. She's to lead her children. And she's to oversee the household. And the man is to be her leader. So again, equal but different roles. A married couple is to have oneness in physical emotional, financial, and spiritual matters. None of this, none of these things is to be left to the wife to do. The husband is to be involved and, and in a position of leadership. He doesn't push off the leadership of these things. He is directly involved and a part of what's going on and he has the vision and is putting forth the vision to others. She takes his name and all that belongs to both of them and they are joined in one. The man is to be an organizing, managing, and deciding character. He's to be the servant leader, to love, to protect, to cherish. He's the stronger vessel. The woman is to submit, to obey, She's the weaker vessel. She's under the headship of her husband to manage household affairs. And, and to, to bring this again, she's the, she is her husband's queen. He respects her. He treats her with kindness, with care. He listens to her voice and her opinion. But he is not un, under her thumb. He is to be led by the Spirit of God. 1 Timothy 2.9, in like manner also, 
that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. That word modest apparel is one word. In Greek, it's katastole, and it means lawn dress. So she's adorned to adorn herself in a long dress with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. So is is Brother Branham, this is from Questions and Answers, does first this first Timothy mean two nine mean a woman cannot braid her hair? Does broid mean braided hair? Now look, sister, now this I'm glad that followed this. I never fixed it there, but it just followed that good. Notice a braided hair on that day was the sign of a street woman. That's what she done, braided her hair. And Paul said to the Christian, Christians, now that's adorning, not let it be of braided or broided. And braid is the same thing, to braid their hair because it looked like the rest of the world. Now you're supposed to not, you're supposed to not look like the rest of the world. The women are supposed to be different there, see? No, now braiding hair, now today's braided hair is pretty and it's a long ways from the fashion of the world. All right, so 1 Timothy 2.9, he's not saying you can't braid your hair. It's, he's, that was what was happening in Paul's day. But what was happening was they were braiding their hair with elaborate pearls and gold and jewels. And Paul was saying to be in, in a position where uh, you're modest, right? The scripture says, in, mod in, in a modest, long dress with shameface that's characterized by shamefacedness and sobriety. Shamefacedness speaks of being shy. Sobriety speaks of being modest. All right. So let's continue on. Genesis 3.7, The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and then made themselves aprons. The word aprons there is loincloths. Genesis 3.21, Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats, kutonet, of skins, and clothed them. Uh, the word kutonet, there we'll, we'll look at that. Uh, after we read the next verse, we'll look at that, the meaning of that. So the amplified th version of Genesis 3.21 says, For Adam also and for his wife the Lord God made long coats of skins and clothed them. So the word kutonet, coats, there, or long coats. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says here the coat was the ordinary inner garment worn by the Jew of the day in which he did the work of the day. It resembled the Roman tunic, corresponding most nearly to our long shirt, reaching below the knees always, and in case it was designed for dress occasions, reaching almost to the ground. So again, we're talking about position of the man and the woman. We're talking about now, we're talking moving from talking about the woman's position in the home, but then to the woman's position in modesty. All right. Ezekiel 28, 12. 
Son of Man, what is, and, and looking at what is true beauty. Beauty, outward beauty, is where what Satan uses to deceive. Ezekiel 28.12, Son of Man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say, say, say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. This is, this is, it's saying the king of Tyrus, but it's talking about the spirit behind the king of Tyrus, which is the devil. And he's saying, you are perfect in beauty. Satan is beautiful. He's not an ugly, disgusting-looking imp with, with, with horns and red skin. The Bible says he's beautiful. So from a thinking man's filter, Brother Branham says, now notice, if he, if he has been his mind filtered through the word of God, God's filter, he won't look upon her. He won't think she's pretty. He'll think she's a Jezebel. He'll think behind those red lips is poison fangs that would sting him. And the Bible said her gates is the gates of hell. And a man that walks into them is like an ox going to his slaughter. There's a thinking man's filter. What do you desire when the woman come down the street dressed like that and you men turn your head, gaze around like that, you're not using a thinking man's filter. Because when you do that, you're committing adultery. For the filter said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already. Turn your head, thinking man, get away from her. She's not pretty, she's a serpent. That's right, twist like one, acts like one, stings like one. Keep away from her. Choosing of a bride. You're going to hate me after this, but you're going to know the truth. See, look, let's compare. Here she comes up with a whole lot of paint, something that she's not, a modern bride. Wash her face, he'd run from her maybe, scare you to death, take all that stuff off of her. And so is the church with a big painted front, a complete theological max factor. Uh-huh. Both has a beautiful false face on them, man-made beauty, and not God-made beauty, not much character in either one. But what, where is true beauty? Isaiah 53, 1 and 2, Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. And he hath no form, nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So here we have the devil saying, was God saying, you are perfect in beauty. And here we have God speaking of his son and saying there was no beauty that we should desire him. Psalm 29, 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his, due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's what true beauty is, is character. Marriage and divorce, Brother Branham says, notice now, but God is featured in character. There was no beauty. We should desire Jesus, but there never was character like him on the earth. At the same time, we understand there's a balance to this. Brother Branham says in questions and answers. And of course, I know women wants to look pretty. That's nature, and that's what they should be. See, they should be that way, and so that's fine, but just don't, otherwise like this, don't look like the world. Don't pattern after the world. A woman should desire to be pretty, but not after the worldly standard of beauty. She should, be, she should look taken care of. She should try to do her hair nice. She should try to wear beautiful clothes, but not clothes that accentuate her figure, 
not, clo not clothes that reveal, but clothes that conceal her, her uh, figure. That doesn't mean she needs to dress like a Muslim. It also doesn't mean she needs to dress like a street prostitute, showing her breasts and her rear end to everybody. There should be a modesty there. Uh, things wrong, you want to cut it off like that, but don't cut your hair now if you've got the braids hanging down or whatever it is in your hair. You leave it long, don't cut it like it's going to look like the world. Don't cut your hair. Don't trim it. Let the long hair remain long. Let it continue to grow. All right, we're going a little bit long. Let me see, I'm on 54. We've got, you know what? I'm gonna stop right there this time and we will continue on on Monday. Um, before I go, I'm just gonna look through the remaining comments. Um, Yeah, one of the people on there asked the question, uh, are we seeing the beginning of World War III now? Is it supposed to be, or is it supposed to be for the end of the tribulation period? We're not seeing the beginning of World War III now. Um, I know you've, there's probably seen articles and things like that with Russia invading Ukraine. There, Prior to the tribulation period and leading in through the tribulation period, there'll be a number of wars and conflicts that take place. But no, World War III, um, and right now it's just a conflict between Russia and Ukraine, and Europe is not involved, America is not involved, there's not troops on the ground. So, I mean, it's long ways away from being World War III. Um, there'll be lots of conflicts, lots of wars, lots of rumors of wars leading up to the rapture and the tribulation period. So uh, is this a sign of the time? Yes, absolutely. Is it showing things are getting closer? Absolutely. Is it the start of World War III? No. No, it's not the start of World War III. Could it be one of the steps that leads to World War III? Sure. But World War III is Armageddon, and that is at the end of the tribulation period, and all nations will gather together against Jerusalem. All right, and so there's, there'll be multiple conflicts going on that are involved with that, but not, no. There's many, many wars and rumors of wars that are gonna happen uh, leading up to that time. Of course, I don't know the details. I'm not saying this prophetically. I'm just saying it biblically speaking is that yes, World War III is going to be uh, at the end of the tribulation period, but there'll be lots of steps that lead up to World War III actually happening. And this could be definitely be a part of that. So, all right, thank you all for listening in. Sure appreciate it. If you have any questions for me or prayer requests or testimonies you'd like to give, you can contact me at jasondemars.com. All right. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy uh, your service. The service is on Sunday. May God richly bless you.
Thank you for listening to Jason DeMar's live podcast. New episodes are posted every Tuesday and Friday. We thank you all for listening in. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube to watch the video portion of this. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you.